Today on the Emmaus Institute for Disciple Making podcast, Pastor Brian concludes his winter class, Faith Filled Family, with Jesse White as they cover practical ways to foster deep relationships with Jesus in our children's lives, as well as ways to protect them from distractions. All right, folks, welcome back. Week three, Faith Filled Family, here we go. Um, Glad you guys are here. You've got your handouts, hopefully, on uh, your tables. Um, you also have your books. We'll get into those towards the second half of tonight. Um, and then there's also on the table some uh, family discipleship guides. We're going to get into that as well in just a few minutes. Um, Jesse White, everybody knows Jesse. She's going to start off our time tonight. Uh, we're calling Shepherding Little Souls. We're focusing more specifically on kids um, uh, and the last week we, we sort of began talking through discipleship strategies in your home. Uh, does anybody remember the four areas that we talked about developing some strategy in? Milestones. Jesse gets a point. Family worship was one. Uh, devotions. It also starts with the D. You get half a point for that. Yeah, everyday devotions, and then moments, like finding, finding the unplanned, spontaneous moments to be able to talk about um, the Lord with your kids, bring up uh, His character and His goodness, His mercy, things like that. So, um, any luck in, in any of those areas this week? Any stories you want to share, family worship stories, anything fun? I had one that was neat this morning. Um, I was dropping Tim, my son, he's three, off at pre-K, and, you know, let him out of his car seat, wait in the line or whatever, and he was looking in the mirror, and he said, a boo-boo on his lip and he was like oh I see my boo-boo and so it was the perfect opportunity like because he's not really looking in the mirror and I use James 122 like when the word of God tells us that when we look into the the word and we don't change you know it's just it's like a mirror and he was like oh God is like a mirror so <laughs> cool, that's great so, but I, it only came to me because of cool. what you had said last week so now he will only be a doer of the word. He's not just going to be a hearer. Well done. You fully, you've finished discipling your three-year-old. Well done. Um, no, but that's exactly the point. It's just finding the moments to be able to connect to Scripture, to connect to God. Um, even if you can't think of any Bible verse to connect it to, you can be like, oh, wow, isn't it cool that God made our bodies so that they will heal themselves? It'll literally fix itself. If you go punch a wall, it will never It'll never cover back over. Somebody has to show up and fix it. But God has like put into our bodies the ability to, um, to heal. So, um, yeah, finding moments like that is exactly what we talked about. Hope, hopefully you can keep that up. Any other stories anybody wants to share? I'm doing the seeds thing. For yeah. The, um, right now, media, like every day. And she, she calls it, Brent turned it on one day and he forgot to do the one with the motions. Uh-huh. So she calls it motions. So oh. she'll say, Daddy, motions. That's hilarious. We thought she was saying ocean. We're like, where did she come up with that? But she wants to do the motion. That's great. I love that. Did anybody have any bad stories? <laughs> it did not go well. <laughs> you know, we were doing a, a family worship moment this week. Um, it was towards bedtime, and we were singing through a song. I forget what, what song were we doing. And we were making up motions to it because we did not have the. T- we were up in Hudson's room. We didn't have the TV going, and. Uh, Emmy, I feel like she's our musical child. She just gets way into the songs when we do them. But, um, but, but Hudson was with us for a little while. Ella really wasn't ever with us. But um, <laughs> as we go through the song, Hudson and Ella are just like tumbling on the bed. 
Um, it's a great family worship moment. Uh, but again, remember, we, we, get, we get a lot of years with these kids. So the, even, even if they're not successful moments um, in minutia over time, the weight of them is important. So keep it up. Hopefully those things will stick with you. Um, so tonight what we're going to do is split, split things up into two parts. The first half, we're going to dive deeper into the concept of uh, devotion time with your kids, how to, how to talk through the Bible, how to lead them even thinking through as they get older how to do that kind of thing. Um, Jesse White, our kids ministry director here at Emmaus Church, uh, last fall put together some great content in uh, what we called the bridge class. Uh, some of you may have taken that class, but um, as I was uh, looking over what she did and, and got to hear some of it ahead of time, um, and I already had this in my head of, of this was coming up, I asked her if she would set aside the date and, and join us because I think the, the stuff that she's prepared and really connecting the devotion time, especially when your kids are young, with what they're learning here at church on Sundays, you're able to reinforce uh, biblical themes and concepts in a way that's really profound. And so uh, she's going to lead us through that, that part. Um, and then uh, the second half, uh, we're going to uh, talk more about protecting our kids. So not just like the, the positive, offensive investing of God's Word into our kids' hearts, but then protecting them from the ways the enemy want, might want to um, uh, distract and, and discourage and destroy them. So um, let me pray for us, uh, and then I'm going to invite Jesse up here. She's going to lead us, and we'll go from there. Jesus, we love you, and I thank you for uh, another chance to, to come together as your church. Lord, put our minds um, before you, before your scriptures, um, before wise men and women who have, who have written books and offered a, a lot of wisdom for us to, to chew on, Father, um, and to grow as a result of all that, Lord, to be changed, to be uh, more effective as we seek to be faithful parents and, and faithful spouses in our homes, Lord. I pray that uh, tonight, together with the other two weeks, Lord, you would allow us all to go home with, uh, with some practical things to apply for our own families, Lord. Some, some ways to be more intentional, some ways to be more careful, some ways to be more strategic when it comes to raising our families to know you and to love you. Um, Lord, and we just put our families in your hands, Lord. We know even the best strategies, Lord, um, fall short with heart change because you do that work. Uh, so would you join us in our efforts, Lord? Would you join us in our diligence with your power and your provision? And would, you, uh, would you save our kids? Would you save our spouses? Would you lead them into passion for your name um, as we seek to be faithful leaders in our home? Uh, we love you, Jesus. God, our time tonight, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, Jesse. Well, welcome. Thanks for having me here. I will start with letting you guys know that I'm a parent, just like all of you. I am not a Bible scholar or any of the, um, I haven't gone to seminary or any of that. So hopefully that, I don't know, maybe that'll help you. Maybe it won't. Maybe y'all stop listening right now. I don't know. Um, I always like to start with why we're doing this. Why is this important um, in anything that I'm teaching? It's important to know this because while you're, when you're in the midst of it, when your kids are wrestling on the bed, when your, ki when your kids are maybe not listening sometimes, you can always go back to, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? So I always like to start with that. And Brian has set it up great in his last two classes with all the scripture that is behind this. But... Um, Know that we as parents, we're not the ones who save our kids. That's Jesus. God does that, right? But we want our children to, get, to grow and to be spiritually healthy adults so they don't fall away from the word. We also want our kids to grow in their relationship with God and to worship and serve him. And we want our kids to become adults 
who love and cherish God's Word. So that's important because we're not just teaching our kids as kids. We're teaching our kids because we want them to be adults who do these things. Um, we want them to cherish God's Word, know how to read it, understand it, and apply it. And last, we are called to, we are called to do this, to train up and teach our kids diligently. So if any of you guys were at the bridge class, we went over all the scripture that kind of goes along with this. Um, at the end of this, I will link the, I have it linked where you can write it down, the uh, podcast where you can listen to the entire bridge class. It'll go, go through more of this stuff in depth. But um, just remember the why as you go through training your kids how to study the Bible. So I always like to start with that. Um, uh, I guess maybe a year or two ago, as my kids are getting older, I started researching more on why people fall away. Why, I say kids, but like whenever your kids go to college, what was the st statistic, 80%? Yeah. 80% of college kids or young adults fall away from the word, fall away from what they knew as a child. And it got me thinking like, what, why is that? What is it that makes them fall away? So I began research. And this book right here was a really great tool. I did other research too, um, but if you ever, if you wanna look through this at the end of class, I'll just leave it up here with the other things. But this is where I got the majority of the research from the bridge class that I studied. Um, I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't, there was no falling away for me, so I'm clueless as to why, pe why people might fall away. This is why I wanted to do this class. Well, I have 200 kids, at least 200 kids under me in the kids' ministry, and it's heartbreaking to know that you pour so much into their lives and your own kids' lives, and to know that some of them, 80% of them, are gonna fall away. So what is it that we need to do? So in this research, basically they asked, I wanna say 2,000. I did the research a little while, a little while ago. I got mom brain. Um, 2,000 parents who were spiritually mature and who had kids that, were, that they called spiritually mature. So they asked these parents, what did you do? What is it? What, what were some habits that we can actually test objectively, not subjectively? What, did you, what was the thing that you did? So there was one thing that, that had the highest impact across the entire study, and it was that they read their Bible regularly while growing up. So this is based on research. And in the bridge, bridge class, I kind of went over more of, um, yeah, we know that as a Christian faith, we know that we need to read our Bible, but this is actually based on research that these kids did that. But also, if you read the parable of the sower, I like from, I, I actually did this Luke 8, 4 through 15. Jesus tells us that we need to be rooted in the word of God as well. So um, I encourage you to study that after this class. This is what you can do with your kids this week, maybe. Um, study the parable of the sower and how important it is to be rooted in the word of God because it's not just based on research. Well, yeah, I found that research in a book. The Bible says the same thing. So that's the first, your first fill in the blank there. But um, they actually give 15 different things that these parents did to help their kids not fall away from the word. The Bible was the only one thing that was highly influential. That was the, the most highly influential. And then there's four other things that had a moderate impact. So in your notes, you might wanna kinda of star the Bible part because that's what had the most impact. But these other things, which Brian actually talked about a ton in his other two classes, um, they regularly spent time in prayer this is what they're doing as a family. 
They served in the church. And I could say serving in the church, basically, they do what they see from their parents. So if you're serving, that's what, that's what leads them to serve. Um, they primarily, primarily listen to Christian music, which was pretty cool that you, Brian went through that earlier this week on the Seeds of Worship, um, the Right Now Media thing. And he also talked about it in the family worship time and then participated in church mission trips and projects. Those are the top five. So you've got Bible reading, prayer, served in the church, Christian music, listen to Christian music, and mission trips. One thing I'll also note on this is that the word regularly is used, and they kind of highlight this in the book too, um, which is important because we want to be consistent with our kids, but we also don't, it, you don't have to be perfect. You're not, you know, like daily is encouraged, absolutely, but don't um, compare yourself to others. Don't look to see what, you know, oh, so-and-so does it five days a week. I need to do it five days a week. No, get your own heart in it and, and do it consistently for you. So that leads us to our next next slide. Being consistent is probably one of the hardest things to do if you don't pick something that you do every day. So we know with setting New Year's resolutions, first, who set a New Year's resolution? Anybody? <laughs> no, there's four. I see four. Of the four, it's what's the date? January 22nd. Of the four, who still has theirs going good? So that's one of four who is still consistent. Not to call y'all out that y'all aren't consistent. I kind of knew Brian didn't set his. <laughs> so I knew, I knew I would be at least, I'd have one. But anyways, if you don't pick a time, that something that you do every day, it is super hard to be consistent with this stuff. This is why I put that at the very top. So what do you do every day? Dinner, breakfast, bedtime. I even put driving because for my family, we do a lot of, we used to do a lot of stuff in the car, going to and from school because we were in the car all the time. I took three different kids to three different places. I had special time with each one of them. So we would do like our, the New City Catechism that Brian mentioned. We would do stuff like that in the car because it was consistent. We did it every day and they knew that that was what that time was for. So that's why I put driving on there. Even though it seems like it might not be a good time to read your Bible, there's other things that you can do on a consistent basis. Um, since we're talking about kids, well, really anything. Minimizing chaos is important. Pick a place that's calm and where your kids um, will be able to focus. You're not gonna wanna do this in your playroom or with toys around or, you know. I know it's self-explanatory, but when you sit down in the middle of a place where your kid is playing and start doing a Bible study, it's just not the best place. Um, pick a time that is enjoyable. So my two girls, open up big time at bedtime. I have a 12, 10, or early, almost 13, almost 11, and a six-year-old, two girls and a boy. And my girls at bedtime, I swear, they just like open up. It's like time to talk. I'm exhausted, but they're not. It's one of those sacrifices as a parent. You just have to be like, look, I'm going to sacrifice and have this time to have to talk about God and do our Bible study. Um, with my six-year-old, though, Bedtime, he's usually pretty tired. He's exhausted at that time, so I don't really try to do, you know, I don't try to go into deep detail with him at that time unless I set his bedtime a little bit earlier. 
So just pick a time that's enjoyable for your kids. And when I talk about this, I'm mainly talking about your devotion time that Brian talked about. I'm not really talking about the family worship time. I'm talking about that either one-on-one or we actually do a one-on-two with our girls right now because they're similar in age. They're only two years apart. Um, And then have fun with it. I talked about this a little bit last week, but kids remember a lot whenever they are having fun. So like if we are sitting on the bed with Lincoln and he has stuffed animals, I don't know if your kids do this, but my kids have stuffed animals all over their bed. I can grab stuffed animals and they can be part of the story. It just brings the story to life for them. You can act it out with them. Um, Do motions to remember things. Do motions for your key passages. Anything that will help them remember more and have fun with it, they're gonna engage more with you. They're gonna love it more. They're going, it's not gonna be like, I have to do this again. Um, So just have fun, they're kids, just and remember that they're kids. So now we're getting into the practical since I kind of started off with all the whys and um, what to do. A lot of people will ask me what Bibles do I recommend? What would I recommend for each age group? So I have listed here for you Bibles that we would recommend, and they're also on this table if you want to look at them afterwards. Um, So the big thing about the age-appropriate Bibles is that you're working up to a full-text Bible. So you want to start out with, of course, your younger toddler Bibles and then work your way up. I will say that Rebecca has an awesome Instagram post. I went ahead and tagged it on here. So if you follow our Instagram, there's these stories here, and these are books right here. Just click on that, and she will go through. I wonder if I have this. Those are books, but, like, she starts with the Bibles. And she will go through almost every Bible to... (laughs) You don't have to listen to it all, but go to our Instagram page. She... She not only goes through all the Bibles, she actually goes through all the book, like a bunch of children's books in here too, which I'm not even going to talk about a lot tonight, but there are some great recommendations in there if you want to go through that. Um, And I know I saw several of you guys in the bridge class, so um, I think you guys have seen all of this material, but you also, there's more at the end too, but I would love as we go through this family discipleship guide, um... If you have started using it and have pointers as we go along, speak up. Because I know, I know Priscilla, you use it often. Let people know like what's working great, what's not working great. I will say that um, we started using this too at the same time. Well, maybe a, couple, maybe a month before you did, a couple weeks, because we got it in before that. I kind of wanted to test it out. And um, it took my son a little bit to get used to it. At one time, he told me, I hate doing this new Bible study. I was like, what? You gotta be kidding me. Now he loves it. But he, you know, he was used to do, the reason he said that is because he was used to doing like activities with everything. And I felt like that just took away from him learning what the Bible was saying. Like, yeah, the activities are fun, but like, I don't know. I felt like it kind of took away from what he was learning, but yeah, he likes it now. So the family discipleship guide is on your table. I feel like you guys need two of them. And this is what you can follow along with in here. So we've basically done the hard work for for you guys. I feel like as a parent, 
we know it's important to teach our kids how to read the Bible. We know it's important, and I say read the Bible, what I really mean is study the Bible. I've always heard as a Christian, like I, I became a Christian in my 20s, and I always heard, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. And I never got it. I really didn't get it because I would read it and I'd be like, this is so hard to understand. I don't get it. Um, until somebody actually taught me how to study the Bible. And um, I, now I try to use that so much more. So in a week, if you do this, and it's by day, you just do it Sunday through Saturday, um, each week you will have com completed every one of these things. You will have shared the gospel with your kid. You will have done an inductive Bible study with your child. So if you don't, if you don't know what an inductive Bible study is, I'll go over it a little bit. But Brian also put it in y'all's notes. At the very back, there's an appendix in the back. Is it two? What? Yeah. Did I say the wrong word? No, I'm such a dork. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that, but <laughs> but it has. It's in there in detail in there, but your, um, actually your family discipleship guide goes through the entire inductive study. There's doctrines of the Christian faith, faith, which we also call catechisms, big picture questions and answers. Those are all the same things. Worship through music. You will memorize scripture with your kid. You will pray with them, and then it'll also walk you through serving. So the fi family discipleship guide that you have on your table is a continuation of what we do in kids' ministry every Sunday. So every Sunday, your kids that are in our ministry go through the Gospel Project, um, which is our curriculum, and they come home with a lesson. Like, they do a Bible story with their teachers. Um, somebody teaches it to them, and then they watch a video of the exact same thing they just got taught. They do activities that go along with it or a small group that goes along with it. So this is a continuation of that for you to do at home. And it's, this is broken down by days of the week. And there are four parts to it. So you've got reading the Bible, which is called in here, parent-led discipleship. And then the second part is using the Lifeway app, going deeper in prayer. I will say that if you only do one part of this, just do the parent-led discipleship part. That's the reading the Bible part. If you only choose to do one, or if your kids can only get through one, like if they're not paying attention after that, just do that one thing because we know that the one thing that our kids will help them to become spiritually healthy adult is that they learn how to read their Bible. So I'm going to walk you through this so you know how to use it at home. Um, this is your inductive Bible study. Super simple. You read, observe, interpret, and apply. That's it. So what you do for your um, kids, they come home with these hopefully these pages y'all know these what do y'all do with them hey good for you yeah I've thrown it in the back of my car whatever I use it now um, but on here you will see you can see we're in unit 17 session 3 on the back it'll have the actual we're in Ezra 4 through 6 right here okay so that's where you get your verses so what you would do is you would open up Ezra chapter 4 through 6, as a parent, you would have to read through and see, like, which portion of the text am I going to read? 4 through 6 might be a little bit long for us. Well, it was long for my 6-year-old. I didn't read it all. Um, I just picked a portion of the text, and that was the portion that we were going to study. He loves watching the Bible story video, so we watched the Bible story video on the app, which I'll go through again. Um, and then we read straight from the Bible. 
And right now, since he's six, he is reading. We actually read from a full text Bible. So um, it's up to you when you move your child to a full text Bible. But I would say if they can read, I would start moving them to a full text Bible. And we've got some that are that are really awesome. Um, and then you read it. That's on, on Monday. Well, I'll tell you, Sunday starts out with just asking about the lesson. We call it the Sunday 7. They've already done their lesson, so you kind of have a free day. They already did their church. Um, but you just ask them, what would you learn? And it gives you some, some examples of what, what, what to ask. Um, and then Monday you read, and it, we give you exactly what to do. This is, it takes the hard part out of figuring out what you're supposed to do. And then Tuesday you observe... Wednesday, you interpret. We put two interprets in there. Thursday, you also interpret. Also on Thursday, we have included a timeline. It's important for, every, for your, you and your kids to know that this is one big story. So um, there's a timeline to where you can see like where you are in the Bible, what you're talking about. And then um, Friday is apply. Saturday has an activity that you do. So we go through the entire inductive Bible study with your child on that specific scripture. And then the second part is using your LifeWay app. This is a great um, tool for you. I know um, some people don't even know about this LifeWay app, but it is an awesome tool that goes right along with our curriculum. You can actually watch Bible stories that we watch in class. You can also um, listen to key passage songs that we learn that we learn key passages once a unit. If you have kids in, the, in our kids' ministry, you know Treasure Box Day when Treasure Box Day is coming. Um, to be up on it, these songs are awesome. Like Lincoln loves these songs. I'll show it to you. Let me show you where it all, where it all is. I feel like I'm only using a portion of my, of my I wonder if you have the light um, version. Y'all see my, my song? Okay, so here's, here's the app. Y'all see the LifeWay Kids app down here at the right corner? So the LifeWay Kids, Kids app is actually the free app, but they get you to pay for the actual volume that you're on. So right now, we're in volume six, and you can download either, either the iPhone or the iPad. Now, there is a light version that's free, but the light version is not going to give you the good stuff. The good stuff that I use the most is in the paid version, and it's 99 cents. Honestly, if you want to turn in your receipt, we, I will, we will pay for it. We're good with, I'm good with that. It is important to use this. So we are in Unit 17 right now, and we just did the temple was rebuilt. So, Nikki, did you see how I got there? Yeah. Do you have all of this on yours? Do you have this little thing at the top right that says Key Passage Song? Yeah, so go, no, just go to the, yeah, this one. No, not necessarily. That song is what I do, not for family worship, but for Lincoln. The other, the other two of my kids are not in kids ministry. Although Raina's in fifth grade, she goes into the service, and Kyla is in middle school, so she goes into the service. So no, this is just devotion time, That what, what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, they have a preschool and they have a kid. So, and it's actually two different, like the preschool is like upbeat on this one and the kids is a little bit slower. But yeah, there's both. 
Um, <clears throat> this is, just so you know, the CSB version of this. That's why we actually changed our key passages that we post to the CSB because the key passage song and everything that goes along with it. But you can view your key passage up at the top and you can change it to CSB and ESV. Our church is an ESV church. We like the ESV the best. However, the Gospel Project does CSB in their songs, and I'm okay with that. Um, we, I'm fine either way they learn it. They can, y'all can send them learning either one of them. But it has really cool things up here too. They also have something called the Gospel. Um, there's two different versions of this, so you can click through it. What it what it is is this right here. If you get a little flustered when your kids, when you're walking your kids through through the gospel, this right here is awesome. Me and Lincoln actually just do, we do motions with it. This is like, we, we go, God rules, we send, God provided, Jesus gives, he, give, he made up that one, a gift, and then we respond. Um, and so he could tell you the gospel in his own words through that. The reason that they have two different ones is because the preschool one leaves off the re-respond. I guess when you're younger, they don't want to coax a response, so that's why they leave that off. Um, is that everything? There are fun games on here. If you click into here, I mean, Lincoln loves to color. He colors on this thing all the time. Yeah. And then there, and then if you lose your sheets, if you lose these sheets or you throw them away, you know they get lost. This is where you can come back and you can find the family starter questions that you can ask. Or some of the kids' questions are a little bit too, Lincoln's in kindergarten, some of the kids' questions are a little bit too intense for him and I'll go back and I'll look at the preschool questions and ask him the, the preschool questions. So it's just a really cool tool. These are, if you click on this session, yeah. session three is what I clicked on and then the family starter right there in the middle. Oh, okay. Did you see the family yeah. starter in the middle? I know when I click on it, it doesn't show where I click. Um, and then down here is where you can watch the, the video. And this is the full video that your kids sees in kids' ministry. And they're pretty fun. But that's, that's that. <clears throat> Did you get it, Nikki? You got Hey. I used everything else, but I didn't use the little gray icons up there. I just never, never saw those. Well, I'm glad that you asked. One other thing about the LifeWay app is that some of you guys have some really young kids, maybe one, two-year-olds. The LifeWay app is so good with those one and two-year-olds, too, because they can, they can see the entire Bible story video that we did. Um, I know Ken, Travis and Kendra use um, the curriculum at home, so if y'all have questions for them, because they have, what, a three- and a four-year-old, and they've been doing it since they were two and three, Ask them how they're doing it because they do a really good job of just incorporating the um, gospel project at home from what they learn. And then the, um, and we're currently in volume six. But I showed y'all I I where to see this, right? This is where you see it, unit 17, session three on your sheet. Um, we also give out newsletters. Is that what you're raising your hand? You know? Okay. On here is also where you can kind of see where everything is. Units where you see we're in unit 17 and you can count the sessions down. So those are always by our check-in desk and we also email newsletters. If there's anybody that doesn't get an emailed newsletter, let us know at the end and we'll add you to it. So the third part is going deeper. So remember, 
You're definitely doing the Bible part. You're reading the Bible with them every night, Sunday through Saturday. This gives you, of course, if you can get to it every night. Nobody's keeping track of it. Nobody's, you know, nobody's perfect. But um, definitely read the Bible. Your kids are probably going to want to use that app if you get the app. And then the third part is going deeper. Let's say you already do this stuff with your kids. Going deeper is going to get you deeper into the word, deeper into some foundational truths, um, just like the big picture questions and answers. And I know Brian talked about this last week a little bit. Um, but these big picture questions and answers, we actually have one per unit that we go over in kids' ministry. So the kids' ministry has um, all of these big, I get big picture questions and answers that we have. However, this book gives you even more. So once, one per unit means like once a month, one per month. But as a family, you could memorize more than that. Um, you can memorize, you know, the other ones that go right along with it. So if you want to take one of these booklets, you can feel free to take one of these. Um, and on the app, too, there are the big picture questions and answers at the top where I showed you all the key passage song. At the top, there's also big picture question and answer. So if you need to know what it is, that's what it is. And they're on your sheet. Yes, that is the catechism. The um, Gospel Project calls it big picture question and answer. Same thing. And then um, songs. So in each, in each one of these, for the going deeper, we'll just take you deeper with your child. So we will have do this with your child, worship with your child. We have a Spotify playlist for kids ministry. It's called Emmaus Kids. Um, and it has all of the songs we sing in kids ministry. Most of them are pretty good. There's one that's a little bit like off that your kid might make fun of, but it's most of them are, Spotify did a great job with having all those songs up there for us. And then I showed you the gospel and then big picture question and answer. Um, it's really cool if you go through these though, to be able to go deeper with your kid. And then we also put like, find a map, find a map in your Bible and you know, show where the story is taking place. This is part of the go deeper. It just gives you, you ideas to go deeper with your kid. And then serve is also a part of it. Um, it'll walk you through it. It'll walk you through, are you serving? Are you finding joy in serving? Are you, um, is your kid figuring ways to serve? And then the last part is praying with your kid. So basically we walk you through the, the Lord's Prayer, but give you ideas on what to pray with your kid. And I will say, um, this is, has been one of my favorite parts with Lincoln because we, we do Bible study with, the, with our kids. We've done it since they were little. Um, but with him, this was my favorite part because like, I mean, I got ideas from here to you. Just, I, I followed it. And I, the part where it's like praying for, for our sins who have you sinned against and who has sinned against you? Can we forgive them? It was like, it's so precious, y'all, to hear your kids and then to also tell your kids, like, your sins and, like, um, maybe you sinned against them that week. It's a really special time. Um, my favorite, favorite since I've started this with him was the sitting in silence one, so don't skip over that one. On Thursday, I think it is. Is it Thursday? Under prayer. Yeah, um, I don't think we ever learned this. Well, I didn't grow up in church. Maybe they did. I don't, re I don't remember. I don't even think we teach this a lot in our kids' ministry. I, I think chaos when I think <laughs> our classes sometimes. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> but to teach your kid to sit in silence, like if you just went over a verse that you and just kind of meditate on that verse, like what we did, just this is just what we did. You can do whatever you want to on this. It just gives you something. It gives you something to try. I was like, hey, buddy, let's just have three minutes and let's just close our eyes, sit in silence, think about what we just learned, not ask for anything in our prayer and just sit. And it was just the most precious time. He loved it. I was like, my six-year-old is sitting in silence for three minutes and thinking about God. And I'm like, this is just, it was precious, y'all. So um, don't skip over that part. Also, um, we have some, if you weren't at the bridge class, we do have some printouts if you want to take them home of the Lord's Prayer that Rebecca, uh, she made for you guys. You, it fits in an 8 by 10 frame if you want to frame it, put it in their room just to um, remember it as you go along. All right, so that was kind of the basis of the bridge class. It, we gave this out as your um, take home. This is for you guys to take home, use it. Hopefully, um, let us know. Actually, if I can pause just a second here and just like, I, I know Priscilla, you ha you've used this some. Do you have any feedback or like for them to like, what what's helpful with this, what um, what not I to do? My kids are three and, and just turning two tomorrow. So um, I really don't go, I can't go through everything. Like even some of the questions, like I just, like I said, I do, we sometimes we'll do five days a week. But the songs have been very successful with the kids. I'll use puppets or animals as I read the, the Bible story in the passage, and Samuel always gets a kick out of any kind of violence or, you know, whatever. <laughs> Boys, on. they it's love those stories. Maybe. But, um, like, on the observe, it's hard to go through who, what, when, where, so I don't mm -hmm. usually do that. I try, but a lot of times it's, I mean, it, like, it's chaos, you know, yeah. trying to contain them. And then the moments of silence, I'm like, wow, I haven't even attempted that. So, like, you know, I, I'll... I'll try, but you know, Samuel's like uh, just bonkers. But um, I think the songs have been very helpful, and they really they like to do the puzzle yeah. on mm -hmm. the app. But the life of that correlating with the gospel project and the picture has really it's just it's helped a lot just following that. But um, okay. I mean, I the, the questions I haven't really been able to with a three and a one year old. Yeah, so yeah. Um, maybe in a year. Yeah. So, we do a, a four and a six-year-old, and I think kind of combining with what you were saying for this class, and we listen, we'll listen to, we'll see the video, mm -hmm. and then I feel like I'll always just tie into like those teachable moments. Like I'll think about something that's happened recently, or something that they can recall that happened, mm -hmm. or a situation, or remember when that kid was mean to you, or or you did this to sissy and then I'll try to connect it that way. I'm more I'm like an application. Like, yeah, I'm not like by the book type person. I just cannot force myself to be that way, but I've noticed that that's kind of where we go with it. Like Yeah. Taking the video and then or if they just have the picture, I'll be like what's this all about on the first day? Oh yeah, yeah. And just seeing if they can tell me what the picture means without me even reading anything yet. Yeah. So, that's good. I think you'll find, too, that um, your kids will enjoy going deeper after they, re after they learn about the lesson, because the lessons are fun to learn. They, we make them engaging. Um, but, yeah, 
as you talk to them more and go deeper in the story and even just picking, even if it's just a verse out of it, picking a verse and going through one verse and teaching them how to look at the words in that verse, um, I think that's beneficial too. Um, so this kind of ties in, because you were saying your kids are three and one, you have a four and six year old. This ties in to what our main goal is. So our main goal, as I kind of said earlier, is not just to teach kids for them to keep being kids, but our, we want to, our kids to learn to study the Bible on their own. So that's why we're doing this. We're not doing it so we can always read the Bible with them. Um, so remember that as you're teaching them and gradually give them opportunities to be more independent in their studies with you guys. So give them opportunities to read on their own. Give them opportunities to lead the discussion, ask questions, to pray aloud. Um, just remember that as you're going through so you can give, you can give leadership over to them for them to take ownership in what they're doing. Um, so there are steps to independent studying and y'all kind of talked about that. So first you want to make sure that your kids have an overview of the Bible or maybe even you have an overview of the Bible. Um, seeing the Bible is one complete story. Like I said before, whenever I became a Christian and I just kept popcorn reading, I was so confused about what, what am I reading? Why am I reading this? But you want them to have an overview of the, of the Bible. And then, then you want to learn, them to learn to go deeper and study it. Um, so basically with babies, you want to just establish a routine, right? Some guy in my um, disciple, in that, the class that I did, it was the sweetest thing ever. He said, you know, he was worried about his, you know, what do I do with my newborn baby? I'm like, well, <laughs> they're just newborns. It's okay. But he just reads scripture while he's doing his own study. He reads his scripture aloud. I'm like, that is, that's sweet. Yes, that's perfect for a baby. You just read scripture to him. Sure. Get him a, a Bible that has hard pages that they can play with. Like in our baby room, we have Bibles that they can actually touch and they can play with. Bibles aren't off limits. Don't make them not be able to touch your Bible. So give them Bibles that they can touch, that kind of stuff. Um, then once they get two years to third grade, they can start doing some parts of this, this family discipleship guide. Um, and then once they hit fourth and fifth grade, you want to really be doing a little bit more. Yeah, you can get deeper with this for sure on your own, but we actually also have a, a learner guide in our fourth to sixth grade classroom. Um, and I put fourth to fifth grade on there uh, because y'all have a little bit of insight. Soon it will be fourth to fifth grade after summer um, because we have an awesome, awesome, student ministry here for sixth graders. But I would encourage you, once they hit fourth and fifth grade, you really need to be going deeper and studying the word more. And then, so then you're gonna start studying actual books of the Bible. So Brian talked about this some in his, in his course. That's what you wanna start studying. You wanna teach them to study books of the Bible. They know the overview, they know it's a complete story, but teach them how to go through each book of the Bible and you wanna guide that time. It's important that you guide that time at first so you can teach them how to actually do it and you know that they're actually gathering that information. You know how they're getting the information, what it looks like kind of in their mind. And then the, and then the last one, this is kind of where I am now with my girls. So just to let y'all know with Lincoln, we do the family discipleship guide. That is our devotion time with Lincoln. Um, and we, we do whatever it tells us to do in there. And he's in kindergarten, six years old. And then with Kyla and Raina, who are almost 13 and almost 11, we do the fourth step, which we study entire books of the Bible. And we just come together. Like right now we're doing Jonah. 
and we come together once a week as a family, just the four of us, we send Lincoln somewhere else. <laughs> I know, we've kicked him out. Um, and we do that time together. Now you can also do this time with just one per- You know, I, I have also done just me and Kyla doing a Bible study, just me and Raina doing a Bible study. This by far, y'all, has been my favorite Bible study that I've ever done, and I've done a lot with like other people, um, is doing it as a family by far, like just me, my husband, and my two girls. I mean, I hate that Lincoln's left out, but um, he's six. <laughs> he won't know, right? He's a six-year-old angel. Whatever. <laughs> he's free, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so steps one and two, basically use your kids' ministry, ministry resources. We give them to you. We have done all the hard work for you, so just use this, and that's all you have to do. Know that, that our lessons, we use the Gospel Project, and the Gospel Project does give your kids an overview of the entire Bible. We go from Genesis to Revelation in three years, so it's not rushed. We do all of these lessons. We give them a timeline, and every story points back to Jesus. Um, and we actually, oh, we already said the timeline part. So just know that our, the Gospel Project is a great resource. And then using this along with it, is, steps one and two should be just easy peasy. You don't have to do the research behind it. Um, if you as a parent haven't grasped the Bible as one complete story yet, I would highly encourage you. First, you can serve in the kids' ministry because we do teach that. I'm all about that. But also, there's this study called Seamless. Um, and there's a teen study that goes along with it too. I just don't think it's as detailed. I've put one of my daughter, I've gotten one of my daughters to do that one, and then I've done this seamless study. It's a really, really great um, Bible study to do the overview of the Bible. And it's not going to walk you through one book of the Bible, it's just going to teach you what the overview is, like how it all fits together as one complete story. Um, it might just be, be a me thing because I didn't grow up knowing all these Bible stories, but. If you're like me, I would definitely recommend that. I love it. Did you do it? I'm not done with it. I took a, I'm still on a long break, but I got Nova the one too. Um, the teen she one? She just started because we were sick for so long and she didn't feel like it. Yeah, Kyla loved it a lot too. And she did it, I want to say maybe a year, year and a half ago. And she loved it. She said, she even said, she was like, I didn't realize Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were right, like right there together. And I was like, that's hard to realize it. And she's, she's a smart kid. I mean, I feel like she knows more than me most of the time. Um, so it's just neat to, for your kids to have those aha moments. Like, oh, those are all, it does all tie together. All right, and then steps three and four. I know some of you guys have younger kids, but some of y'all have older kids too. And y'all might just need to start with steps three and four, and that's perfectly fine, fine to start there. This is transitioning from kids' ministry lessons to actually studying books of the Bible. And you want to have that transition. You want to teach them to study an entire book of the Bible. Um, so choose a book of the Bible to study. I would encourage you to start with James or Jonah because they're short. There's like four chapters in one and five in the other. Um, where is it? This is it. These things right here, um, I actually just learned that they... You can buy these individually. Travis is giving these out in his class on winter classes. But this is this is this has actually four books in it, but most of them just have one. And they have the entire scripture and you, you can take notes right here. So you're gonna what you're gonna do whenever you do this is you're gonna print a copy. I know we all have Bibles, but it's a lot easier to do an inductive Bible study when you can actually take notes 
beside it. So what I did with our Jonah study, I just printed it off. I didn't know these were available at the time. And we just write on it. And we all just bring our written thing. You can, um, you know, set the margins. What is it called? Yes, wide. When you say you do a, fam a family Bible study, so you guys like have a section you read on your own, take notes on your own, and now you come together and talk about it. Mm -hmm. okay. So, yes. So with we do we have done Jonah. So I will say read the first seven verses of Jonah. And we try to keep it short so we can talk about it in depth. And then we'll all have our notes. Of course, I've given them a, um, a note-taking guide. I've given them what an, in, I've, they know what an inductive Bible study is. They know how to observe and um, interpret and apply. They know that they are doing those things in order to do that. So throughout the week, we will each do our own inductive Bible study, and then we'll come together and talk about it. Um, and then after you get it printed, you start your inductive Bible study. And I just kind of went over that. If you have followed this at all, your kids will be familiar with the observe, interpret, and apply because that's what this walks them through. And we, what, what we do, you guys don't have to do. I'm just giving examples of what I do. I've done everything with my girls. I've, I've read Bible studies. I've read book studies. Um, we've read books of the Bible, and by far my favorite has been reading a book of the Bible with the four of us. And then the milestone part from um, Brian's talk last week was one of my favorite parts because that was one of, an aha moment for me. I was like, yes, that's so great to, to actually have a milestone of transitioning your kid into the main service. My kids really just are like, can I go in the main service? Sure. You know, like it's not a huge deal. I really love that he went through that. So I just added this in mind because I was like, that's part part of me transitioning from your kids from fifth grade, sixth grade, whatever it is, into the, into the main service. You know your kids. You know what age that they're going to learn. I have a fifth grader, grader that actually doesn't go to kids' ministry. I'm okay with it because she likes to sit in the service. I'm not going to force her to go to kids' ministry. I'm fine with it. She learns a lot. We talk about, you know, the sermons. So um, I'm great with it. And I will say that I've added some... Um, over here on the table, sermon notes for kids, and there's one for middle schoolers too. If you want to grab some of these and take with you, if your kids want to be in the service, if they're of age that they can pay attention and like take notes, and you feel like that's where they are gonna learn more, these are over here for you to take. Um, so I love the milestone thing and just making it a big deal and making it like this is, you know, this is, a, a, a responsibility because you do need to teach your kid how to sit and how to listen and how to take notes and learn. So um, we wanted to make that easy for you. And then the other transition, once your kid hits sixth grade, right now they have the option to stay in kids ministry, but also I would encourage you to send them to the student ministry on Wednesday nights. It's at 6.30 um, here at the church. Actually, I forgot to mention this James study, Matt Callahan, if y'all want to, there's a few of these over here. Just walked the kids, the students, the sixth to 12th grade students through James, and he wrote an inductive Bible study for them to follow along with him. That's an amazing student ministry right there when you can actually have a study that goes from the beginning of James to the end, and you can do it right along with your pastor. So if y'all want to grab one, y'all are welcome to grab, a, grab it. But um, yeah, 
that's that. And then resources, there's your link to the bridge class. It goes a little bit more in depth on the family discipleship guide on some of the um, just more family discipleship stuff. And then children's books. I already sent y'all, if y'all don't have Instagram, come to my office. You can look at all the children's books that we um, recommend if you just need another resource. I will say that the Bible is my favorite resource. So if you have questions about the Bible, that's fine. But you know we have children's books in our rooms. So I just have some Christian children's books that you might be interested in. Who has questions? Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. Sure. Transition this mic here. Oh, yes. For all of our podcast listeners. And if any of you missed um, either the last two weeks, we've been sending them out. You're welcome to, to digest them the way we sent them. They'll also, uh, I think the ninth is when we're scheduled to have them all live by, um, they'll be on the Emmaus Institute podcast, um, which is now live. So enjoy that. Uh, the new stuff will populate soon. Okay. Um, uh, everything we've talked about so far in this whole class has been about God's Word. <clears throat> investing in our own hearts, investing in our kids' hearts, seeking to, to teach them um, to know the Lord, to know His Word, uh, to begin to, to have their own relationship with Him, uh, which is a really important part of our responsibility um, as their parents when it comes to um, what God has called us to do, which we, we've talked about extensively over the last few weeks. Um, but what I want to do with the, the time remaining is talk about the, uh, another side of uh, discipleship of our kids, another side of parenting, which is protecting them. Um, and specifically, there's a, protecting our kids from the schemes of the enemy could be like a six-week course. Um, we could honestly talk about this at length, strategies for protecting them from uh, influences of, of, of friends that could be damaging in their lives, uh, all, all sorts of things. But I want to focus on technology because it's a, a dear issue to my own heart. Uh, something I care deeply about, and honestly one that I've done a lot of research on and just have seen sort of the pitfalls um, that are available in our, uh, our modern era, which is a, a, a time that has never existed before in the history of humanity, okay? You're living in days that no one else has lived through. Um, it, it, there was one other moment in history where an invention has truly changed everything, and that was in the 1500s when the Gutenberg Press was invented. Invented, and it was basically the moment when literary uh, literacy became possible for the masses. So, prior to then, most people didn't know how to read. They didn't need to read because books were very, very expensive to make. They had to be hand copied. Only the wealthy uh, spent any time, um, or or the monks, the Christians, actually spent a lot of time in education. But um, but very few people had access to the Bible. Very few people had access to information. It was it was entrusted in the elite of society. Um, and the Gutenberg Press suddenly changed all that, made book printing really cheap. So the, for the first time ever in the history of humanity, people could get information. And it radically transformed humanity. The Enlightenment was born out of that moment. Uh, the, the advances in science, the advances in arts. Um, if you studied you know, uh, history, you know all that stuff. But I think we're living in another one of those, those moments. The Internet and its birth, which were only 30 35 years towards um, 
stepping into like internet proliferating into all of our lives. But even more specifically, smartphones and having the full internet and all information you could ever want in your pocket at all times. Ease of access to information and unlimited information is transforming our world and it requires us to be really careful as parents. So uh, real quickly, I don't know how much of your notes I'm going to actually get through, um, but I'll give you a quick overview and then we're going to jump into the practical stuff because that's the stuff that I think is most helpful. Um, there's your blanks for those of you who are type A. Shepherding our children requires us to be diligent in teaching them the word. Yes, that's part of it. But that's not the whole thing. The other part is to be careful to protect them against Satan's schemes. Um, and you know this if you study the Bible, but the, uh, and you may feel weird even writing down protect against Satan's schemes. But, but I, want, I want you to know the Bible is very clear. Satan is real. The devil is real and he is really out to destroy you and your family. I mean, he's out to, to, uh, to distract. He's out to uh, discourage. He's out to destroy. That's what he does. This is what we see all throughout the Bible. Jesus told us in John 10.10, 10, thief comes to only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his, that's his effort, always, um, contrasted with, with Jesus' effort to bring us life. In Ephesians, Paul teaches us to, that our, our fight in this life and existence is not so much against flesh and blood, but it's against the, he says, rulers authorities and cosmic powers over this present darkness. That is trippy language right there. And you know what? It's very biblical. If you go read the book of Daniel, you're going to start to see like references to spiritual princes and like angels and demons doing battle. There, there was an angel sent to minister to Daniel. And he said, when he gets to Daniel, he's like, I'm sorry. I was spo- you prayed and God sent me out three weeks ago and I got held up. I got held up by a demon and I had to wage war and I had to call Michael, the archangel, to come in. And you're like reading the book and you're like, what is going on here? Um, we have no clue, but the Bible gives us a few glimpses. Uh, that's, that's what's playing out. Satan after us, waging war against us. Uh, that's what we see. We're instructed to be people who, who uh, put on spiritual armor and, and wage that battle. You also see it in 1 Peter uh, uh, Peter, the apostle, telling us, be sober-minded, be watchful. The enemy is prowling around like a lion. Like, what a great imagery uh, to help us understand who the devil is and what he seeks to do. He's, he's seeking to devour us. So we are to what, church? Re- resist him, firm in our faith, knowing the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by our brotherhood. Um, the, the point is clear. Like, we're, st- we're to be watchful in our own lives, but especially in our role as parents, I think we're to be cognizant of how the enemy is attacking so that we can build protection, so that we can seek to protect their, their, their little heart. So um, with all that being said, let's talk about technology, this world in which we now live. Um, I've got some uh, statistics to just sort of help you feel the weight, and all of you feel it, right? You know how much you check your own smartphone. But I'm just going to run through a few of these. Um, again, smartphones were invented. Well, I mean, they were like Palm Pilots and weird things. But, but the iPhone came out in 2007. Okay, this is 13-year-old technology. We are the first people to have smartphones. We are the, and all of us have them. It's prolific. The, the fastest spreading technology in the history of humanity has been the smartphone, um, and its effect has been been tremendous. So uh, here's what we know. Americans spend an average of five and a half days, uh, five and a half hours per day with digital media, 
and more than half of that is on mobile devices. So some five and a half hours you're spending with media, not workplace laptops, I'm talking media. That's an average. Uh, in one recent survey, female students at Baylor University reported using their cell phones on average of 10 hours a day. That's insane to me, I don't know, it's an outlier, but I just wanted to give it anyways. Um, at Barna, I think I've got this one, Barna did a big study, they've got great research on all this stuff, read a ton of it over the last few weeks, but uh, uh, this, is, this is from parents assessing the device usage of their kids. Basically what they found is on average among all kids, four and a half hours a day of technology, screen time with these kids. Uh, if they're nine to 12, it's a little less, four, uh, 4.87 versus teenagers, 5.29 hours per day. Uh, one study, which this is an outlier, but I, I wanted to give it again, Common Sense Media found that um, teenagers in 2016 were averaging nine hours a day on media. Um, this is interesting, three quarters of 18 to 24 year olds, so uh, the young among us teenagers, college students, say that they reach for their phones immediately upon waking up in the morning. Probably you do as well. Uh, but the first thing they do is go to their devices. And once out of bed, this is, this is uh, average for all of us, the average adult checks their phone 221 times a day. That's an average of once every 4.3 minutes. And that's an average, y'all. There's people doing it far more. But you know it, right? You know that feeling when you've been sitting too long. You're like, what's going on out there? What time is it? I mean, we use our phones for so much. They've become another part of our bodies. If our, if You can't even imagine leaving the house without it. If you did leave, you'd go back to get it. Um, they're prolific in uh, our lives. And with the rise of smartphones has also come the rise of a whole new thing called social media. Uh, MySpace was invented in 2003. Facebook was invented in 2004. Again, we're the, we're the, we are the beta testers. The experiment of social media and its effects on humanity are being played out with us and our kids, okay? No child has grown into adulthood and has become a senior citizen using social media during their lives. We don't know what this is doing to us yet, but they're starting to see some of the effects of it, and it's terrifying. Uh, major research studies in, in a lot of different schools, University of California did a huge one, are finding these correlated realities with the use of technology in our lives. Increased incidences of depression and anxiety. If you use your phone a lot, you have a higher likelihood of having depression or anxiety in your life. Uh, decreased ability to concentrate at work. That, that they, they even say once you're distracted, um, it takes 15 minutes to get back on topic. If you're looking at your phone every 4.3 minutes and then it takes it 15 minutes to get back on topic, I can understand that. Um, decreased ability to sleep at night, restlessness, insomnia, things like this, directly correlated with, um, other things can cause it too, but I'm saying uh, direct correlation with smartphone and digital media usages. Um, increased likeliness of traffic accidents. We know this, right? This is why 46 out of 50 states have banned texting and driving. Um, you are more likely to get in an accident, not two times more likely, not three times more likely. You're 23 times more likely to get in an accident if you're looking at your phone while driving. So just, you know, we all do it. But just know it's, it's a big deal. Uh, increased narcissism. Measurable increased narcissism in people born after 1992 which they would have been the first teenagers as this was all coming about. They can see it. They can see it on a, on a timeline. Um, and 
People with higher levels of narcissism in their life is correlated with higher incidence of substance abuse and the inability to stay in long-term relationships. If you think the divorce rate has been high through our whole lives now, just wait until a generation of kids who don't know how to interact with each other grow up and try to get married and then try to work through problems the way they do on social media. It's a terrifying reality. I, I have no clue what the next 20 years are going to look like in our history. If the current political you know, craziness is any indication, it's not going to go well. You know, we're, we're playing an experiment. We're all willing subjects in this great experiment that's destroying us, is sort of my premise. I'm trying to terrify all of you. Um, <laughs> so, so now you can throw your phones in the trash can. Hey, true story. After all this research, in the midst of all this research, I, uh, for, for about the last two years, more often than not, I have my, turned my smartphone into a dumb phone. Right now, there's no internet on my phone. It has email, it has text messaging, it has phones, but it terrifies me, it really does. Steve Jobs did not allow his kids to use any of his devices. Same thing with uh, uh, Johnny um, Ive, is that his name? The guy who, who um, did the stuff. Um, but this is a really profound book and this is what provoked all this change in my own life. Um, Tony Ranke, he works uh, with uh, John Piper up at Desiring God, wrote a book called 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You. I almost gave that to you. However, all this does is make you sad. The book I chose to give you, the book I chose to give you will hopefully offer you some practical advice on things to change in your, in your family. So um, I'm going to cover both quickly in about 15 minutes for all of you who don't like to read. Um, but for those of you who are equally concerned about what's going on in our society, I would highly encourage you to do the research, to be careful, and to be cognizant and watchful over your homes and over your kids' hearts and over the things that are shaping their hearts, um, which in our age is technology. So, real quick summary of this book. Eight, uh, and he, he's, he's focused on the big spiritual side effects of all this. If we're seeing all these like sociological and psych psychological side effects, what is this doing to us spiritually? So, eight quick things. Number one, we live distracted lives. And, and silence and solitude are like essential habits for contemplating God and spending time in His Word. And we are uncomfortable with it. Our, our devices have trained us to be uncomfortable with solitude. We need to bring boredom back, y'all. Um, we don't need to be constantly entertained. It is good for your kids and for you to have nothing to do and no devices around. Uh, second thing, we crave instant satisfaction. I've got these for the... Um, there you go. Crave instant satisfaction. We like things immediately and we are used to getting whatever information we want as soon as we want it. Um, talk about an entitled society where, where they've never had to wait on anything. Um, this is, is true of us. This is so antithetical to studying your Bible. You cannot get truth out of the Bible in, in a five-second glance at it. Like all of us are trained to, oh, that's sort of interesting, not interesting enough to stay on it more than a millisecond. Like we're just used to flipping to the next thing. Our brains like just d don't even pause long enough to think about something. How are you supposed to understand God's Word? There's parts of it that are so weird. Uh, you go read Nehemiah and you're like, why is he telling people not to marry people of other races? Isn't, isn't that racist? What does that even mean? you got to read it in context. It's going to require complex thought uh, to really understand it. So uh, it's a dangerous reality. Third one, we crave what is new. There's a, something called neomania that is growing in measurable realities. Uh, people who are always desiring to be up to date on whatever the latest whatever is. 
So whatever your interests are, I want to I know what's happening in that world. Um, we, and that stands in contrast to the truth that in, with, with the Bible and with God, we are standing upon the oldest truths around. We're resting in the Rock of Ages. Uh, we value appearance over depth. This is what social media does to us. We like what, what we see. We don't care so much about what it actually is. And we are willing to masquerade rather than to be honest. Dangerous, dangerous realities for trying to cultivate character, trying to cultivate uh, uh, true values in our hearts. Actually, this was fascinating. Uh, in this book, he talks about that the age of the hero is dying and being replaced with the age of the celebrity. We used to value these people who showed uh, uh, character and strength and, and, and things that only show up over time. And now we like people who are glamorous, who have pizzazz and, and who have this... Um, you know, this visible charm kind of a thing. It's, it's a scary reality. Um, we crave immediate approval and affirmation. Facebook likes and Instagram loves have trained us to live for the acceptance of the men around us. We live our lives for validation from the people around us, um, which stands directly in contrast to what Jesus told us to do. Beware, uh, this is Matthew 6, 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. <laughs> like he literally says, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Um, not so true with social media these days. We live in creational blindness. This is fascinating. Um, we see wondrous sunsets and glorious Grand Canyons, and we're, we're trained by instinct to want to take a picture of it and to sort of interact with it, not by enjoying it, but by like preserving the moment somehow you're like missing the moment because you're trying to preserve it's weird but the smartphones do it we we have this weird blindness the is never as good. and it's never as good you can, it'll never take you back to the motions of experiencing it in the present but what it, they even um they even show there's this picture of i forget what celebrity it is but a celebrity is walking down the street and a news uh a, a newspaper photographer took a picture of the crowd and nobody's looking at the celebrity they're all looking at their phones they're taking pictures of the celebrity. There's one old woman who's actually enjoying the moment and seeing the celebrity. Um, but it's just who we are. We, we mediate our lives with these crazy devices. Um, we idolize our phones. Listen to this quote. Love this. Idolater, that basically means we worship our phones. Idolaters of technology don't literally consider their technologies to be divine. We don't think our phones are gods. However, but many of us do lower ourselves before our technologies. Instead of wisely using the products of their labor and ingenuity, they bow unto the latest gimmick that is ru ruling their lives. Uh, it determines how they use their time, how they spend their money, uh, their interests and their values. Um, how true is that? Our phones controlling what we do, de uh, determining our, our, um, our actions at so often. Even though we wouldn't say we worship them, they control us. So they do. Uh, we, we have idolized them. And then worst of all, we get comfortable in secret vices. And this is really where I want to focus on equipping you to protect your kids. Um, smartphones have made access to the full Internet available in people's pockets, which has resulted in the uh, incredible access and incredible anonymity with some of the darker corners of the Internet. And it's led in rapid increase in the use of things like pornography. Um, Barna Research, together with Josh McDowell, um, did an enormous study in 2016 uh, to try and understand this side of the Internet. And this is what they found. 
uh, they asked this question to a wide group of respondents. I view, or, or do you, view, how often do you view pornography? Um, so for respondents answering, I view pornography at least once per month. Any guesses? First, I'm going to show you the men. So three age categories, you're going to see 0 to 100% on the left, 18 to 30, so your millennials, 31 to 49, those are your Xers, 50 to 68, those are your boomers. Um, I'm sure you would assume that with, with men, those are higher than women, but any guesses on 18 to 30? 100. It's actually not 100 because people lie. Um, <laughs> no, but these, these should alarm us, okay? So 80% of men uh, there, 67% of your Gen Xers, boomers, 68-year-olds, 49%. Half of all men. These are ones who are willing to admit it on a survey. For women, what would you expect? Probably lower. This is a male issue, right? Shocking, shocking statistics, y'all. And what I want you to pay attention to is the difference between growing up without the Internet in your pocket versus growing up with it. And I want you the weight of instant access to whatever you want to hang on your hearts as you raise your children. Your kids cannot have instant access to whatever they want. We have to do better than our parents did for us. We have to fight wars to make sure that they don't have unlimited access. Because something, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's gotten worse over time. Some, something with men is, is way off, but, but something has changed dramatically with women. Um, and I think it's the internet. I don't think, you know, women themselves have changed in the last um, 30 years. Um, this is... <laughs> Uh, for, for more substantial uh, viewing of pornography, these would be the statistics. Not much better, uh, although for women it does seem to be a little bit better, which is encouraging. But all that to say, oh, with, with all that increased usage though, especially among teens and young adults, the attitude about pornography is changing. So this is basically uh, neutral to fully accepting. 90% of teens, 96% of young adults feel neutral to fully accepting of pornography in their lives. So they don't view it as a bad thing. In fact, in the same study, um, uh, the teenagers viewed, like they asked, do you consider this immoral or not? And they asked them a bunch of different things. Pornography, only one in three teenagers viewed pornography as immoral. Half viewed littering as immoral. So more teenagers view littering as immoral than they do view pornography. Um, and, and, and they did this with adults as well, and only half of adults thought that viewing pornography was immoral. So um, all of this should terrify you. Um, <laughs> fun talk, you know, <laughs> and we have five minutes until the class ends. Okay, um, I'm going to try as quickly as I can to try to give you some wisdom here. I want to say this. I'm not going to finish this in five minutes. Um, I'm more than happy to send you my notes, but I also am more than happy to sit down with any one of you and your families and talk through this at greater length, okay? Um, this is a big issue. We need to offer more classes on it. We're going to work to do that. Um, but I didn't want to drop the issue completely in this class, even if we had to do it condensed format. So what can we do about that? Number one, set limits and filters on screen time. Technology is important in our society. I'm not asking you to raise your kids to be Amish. However, we must, as parents, help our kids keep technology in its proper place. There should be limits. If your kid can access uh, any device at any time, that's, that's not going to go well. Maybe they're three right now and they don't know how to spell the words that are going to get them in trouble. But 
Even still, they shouldn't have that much time in front of a screen. Um, we should have limits. So tech, I would say set limits on technology use at large. A kid should not think that it's always okay to turn on a TV. A kid should not think it's always okay to turn on a smartphone, an iPad, to use video games. Like they should have, you should be answering the questions for your kids. When can it be used? Where can it be used? How can it be used? Set limits on usage. Also set filters to reinforce limits. You should be setting ways so that even when they're using any device you give them access to, they can't get, like, like set, I'm saying build walls in the devices so that they can't get to the darker parts of the internet. You might think to yourself, well, they'll figure out a way around it. Remarkably, technology has actually gotten really good when it comes to parental controls. So I'm going to encourage all of you to become experts in how to set up parental controls on all of your devices at home. And you have to be pretty smart about this. You have to think about every, we have a lot of devices in our homes that can access the internet. It's not just laptops, it's not just smartphones. It is your video game consoles. It is most of your smart TVs. It is most of your smart DVD players. It is a lot of different things and you gotta think through them all. But I'm telling you this, I, you, you will be surprised how many of them have good parental controls that you can set up for all those devices. You just have to be the expert. You can't expect your kids to like guard themselves. You have to build the walls. Um, so um, a few good tools to be aware of and to invest in. Um, one would be what is, um, what's called screen time on your Apple devices. Um, Apple is brilliant. Uh, I'm an Apple shareholder, so, um, but they're not paying me uh, to say this. I've always been a fanboy. My dad gave me some money when I was in college to do some investing and I bought some Apple shares. I've never sold them. They're worth a lot more today. That was a good investment. Um, but Apple, if you could flip your whole family to Apple and just leave Android behind, Apple is really great about, um, I'm not, I promise. No, this is why though. Um, this is why I love it. Uh, how do I flip this to, if I could figure out how to use an Apple device. Um, I'm going to try to actually show you how this all works. So this is um, the Emmaus uh, iPad we use for... Um, sales and things like that. Uh, in here in settings, when you go there, there's this section right there called screen time. This is your clue that it's parental controls. Um, how many of you know how to use these? Good. Okay, so a lot of you. I'm not going to go through all this. We don't have time. Become an expert in this. And here's the things you need to do. Turn off the app store. They don't need apps. Turn off Safari. They don't need a browser. If they do, point them to a laptop. Like they, they, they don't need the full internet in their pocket. They just don't. They're kids. Um, and, and to be honest, you probably don't either. This is why my phone became dumb, because you set up the controls, you give your wife the passcode, and then you're protected yourself. Um, so uh, these are the things you do. Um, you have to be careful with which apps are still on there. If you've put YouTube on your phone, if you've put Facebook app on your phone, those will still get to the internet. So you got to make sure there's no apps on there that can do the things that you don't want them to do. But, but you can control it through that app and you can set a code and the kid can't get through to all the things that devices can normally do. One other encouragement, if they're a teenager and you're like, they need the internet, they might need to look stuff up when they're out and about. I'm going to point you to Covenant Eyes. It's a really, really awesome company that d provides internet-based accountability for families. So what it does is you, you pay a monthly fee, just like a Netflix subscription or something like that. It sets you up with a family set of accounts and you can, your kid can have the Covenant Eyes browser on their phone. Every website they go to is filtered through Covenant Eyes. 
Covenant Eyes even now offers like device-wide, even if they're on the, you know, the Facebook app, if, you, if they do have the Facebook app separately, it's still filtering that out and catching everything they look at, looking for weird words they're searching for on the internet. It, it, it's a very good service. It's worth the investment in your family. Covenant Eyes. Sign up for it. The other thing I would point you to investigating is Disney Circle, which is not technically a part of Disney anymore. I think they just paid to call it Disney for a while, paid Disney some money. But this is a device, I guess, I don't, we don't have this ourselves at our home, but you can buy it, install it in your house, and you can like set up profiles for every device and turn off the internet to them at, say, like 10 p.m. If you want to want to say, hey, you can have devices from 8 to 10, you can tell it not to turn, it won't allow anything to connect to anything. Um, except for when you set it. So just good tools. You as a parent, you're going to have to be the expert in this. You can't trust your kids to guard themselves. They don't have fully developed brains yet. They're not going to make good decisions. You can't trust them to. Um, but set, fil- wow, that was number one, and it's 8 o'clock. Um, let's go really fast. I'm going to skip that one completely. You can read about it in this book. It's very, very profound idea, though. Promote creation rather than consumption. Let's not just be consumers. Oh, this isn't on your screens anymore. <laughs> I need to learn how to use technology, don't I? Um, yeah, agreed. Let's all end. Let's, let's go back to the dark ages. Here we go. There's all four of them. Um, set limits. Promote creation over consumption. Basically what the idea there is, like, don't let your family norm be consuming media. Be about, like, creating stuff. Contribute to the world. Play music. Play with Play-Doh. Let your kids build a fort. You know, rather than just consuming things all the time. Um, this book gives you a lot of wisdom on that stuff, though. Number three, model healthy behavior. If you're checking your phone every four minutes, you will not be able to expect your kids not to. This goes back to what we talked about the first week. We need to model for our children how to use technology in a wise way. You need limits on your devices. And I'm telling you, you need filters on your devices. If these statistics are true, women in the room, all of your husbands need covenant eyes. And husbands in the room, all of your wives need covenant eyes. Like, let us not be ignorant to an enemy that's out to destroy us and ruin our lives and destroy our kids. Let's be mindful. Let's model healthy things in our families. I know these are hard conversations to have with your spouse. I know these are hard conversations to bring up, but step into them with courage expecting failure. We've married sinners, but also um, to seek to bring health and healing there. And know that your pastors are here when your marriage is blowing up because of unfaithfulness, either with full adultery or with things like this. Like we are here to walk with you through those things. Um, Then the last thing I would say is pray diligently. In that passage in Ephesians chapter 6 where it talks about um, spiritual warfare, he says, you know, put on the helmet of um, salvation, put on the, uh, pick up the sword of spirit, put on the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the sword uh, or the, the shield of faith. You got a lot of good spiritual warfare that you should use. However, he ends it all, uh, I think it's verse 18, by saying, and pray all times in the spirit with all kinds of supplications and all kinds of prayers. And he's basically teaching us this is a battle against spiritual things and it's one in the spiritual realm. So get on your knees and beg God not to lead you into temptation. And beg God not to lead your kids into temptation. And beg God to give you wisdom on how to build huge walls around them when it comes to the ways Satan wants to destroy. And beg God how to, how to help you have these hard conversations with them. 
you will not be able to protect them completely. This is a big old world, and they're eventually going to be big enough to fly away from your little walls that you've built for them. But you protect them while they're young, and you teach them to make wise decisions for themselves. And then you hand them off to a Jesus that can redeem them of the failures they're going to make, and to a Jesus that can guide them into healthy relationship with Him their whole life. Once you hand them into Jesus, they're good, y'all. They're good. Jesus will take them from there. Our job is to shepherd them and protect them unto Him. So, I hope this has been helpful. I wanted more time to be able to do some question and answer, but we fell short of that. So, um, in your little notebooks there at the end, there's a little evaluation that Tony Ranke gave us of like 10 questions to ask yourself about smartphone usage. And then there's also... Um, uh, a TechWise family challenge. It's like the 10 things that Andy Crouch in his book um, advocates for us to begin to practice. Um, my parting advice would be to dig deeper into this topic. Um, become experts. Become uh, researchers. There's a lot of good things online for, for you to uh, read and explore the issue deeper. And now you have a free book to um, begin to study it as well. But, but set, set habits for your children that your parents didn't set for you especially if you're in that millennial stage. and you, I, I'll be honest, I grew up without any protection on anything. My parents didn't know. They didn't know. And, and, and I've had to wage war against the enemy in my own life. And by His grace alone, uh, I've experienced victory in, in some of those areas. But, but we, we need to lead a, leave a different legacy for our, for our children. We need to leave different protections. So let me pray over us. Um, if you've got questions, come and talk to me. Um, but love you guys, and I'm praying for you all as you seek to lead your families. Jesus, we love you, and we, uh, we acknowledge, Father, that uh, we're all going to fail, Lord, in this life in a lot of different ways, and that we need your grace, we need your redemption, we need your protection. Lord, total depravity means total depravity. It means there's, there's none of us that aren't going to walk into things that will destroy us if it's not you pulling us back, Father. So would we be brothers and sisters who who hold each other back and who look to you for the strength to do that and who do the same thing with our kids, who, who teach them healthy habits, who protect them from the ways the enemy might want to sneak in and destroy, Lord, uh, but who through it all are pointing them to you, the one who will redeem them, the one who can save them, the one who can uh, sanctify them and grow them in maturity. So, Lord, we need you. Through this whole process, we need you. Let us not take a class and walk away feeling more um, self-reliant when it comes to parenting. Let us walk away more dependent upon you for all power and all health and all fruit comes from you and your hands. So Spirit, be with us. Give us discernment, wisdom, and guidance as we seek to implement this stuff in our homes. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.